Hi, today I'm going to be reading Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. This is the word of the Lord. All right, thank you. You guys believe it? She just turned 12 years old and she's like, my, my, she's my size already. She's my height already at 12 years old. She gets it from her mom's side right there. Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you to Serena as well uh, for being with us. Um, Sarah, thank you for being with us. Uh, thank you all, all, all our visitors, all our guests that are here today. Thank you all for being with us uh, this morning. So we're, uh, we are continuing our sermon series um, called Letters from the Roman Jail. And uh, we're going to be in Colossians chapter 3 today. And so um, would you just join me in a quick word of prayer just for this message? Father, we just come before you right now, Lord. I just pray over this message right now, Lord, that you will just have your way. Give us ears to hear what you want to say, God. It's all about you. We love you, and we praise you, God, and we thank you for what you're going to be doing. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. So today we are just in uh, four verses, Colossians chapter 3, just four verses uh, today. And as you're kind of leaning into your Bible right now, I kind of want to set up the text this way. So um, we here at Edge City Church, we, I like to consider us to be a gospel-centered church. And so what that means is that everything that we teach and we preach up here uh, centers around Jesus Christ and what Jesus has done for us. And so we try our best to get up here every Sunday and we preach that, right, being a gospel-centered church. And one of the truths that comes out of that is this commit, commitment that we have to teach and preach that true behavioral change is a result of true identity change. That true behavioral change is a result of true identity change. In other words, we have to start with the who that Jesus has made us in the gospel. So Jesus Christ, he came and he lived and he died and he rose again so that we could be a new creation, that you and I could be new creatures, that we would be the adopted children of God, inhabitants of just, inheritors of the kingdom of God, that we would be his children and we are made new in Jesus Christ. So, this is, so first, we got to get the new, we get the new who? And out of the who comes a new do. We got it. We get the new who, and out of the new who comes the new do. There is this new behavioral ethic for a Christian. There is this new lifestyle that just we are able to live out. But the new do always comes as a result as, a, as the new who. Right? You guys with me, right? You got to get the who before the do. If you try to do the do before the who, you are through. And churches that teach all do and no who are do-do, right? I don't know. 
You guys, some of you guys have been trying to get me to raps for a little while, so there you go. That's my rap. Uh, that's how I am saying it. You got to get the who before you get the do. So identity uh, always gives birth to this new behavior, to this new lifestyle. But I have to tell you that this passage that we, we're going to be looking at today has helped me to open my eyes and to uh, see that there is this fundamental and foundational link between the who and the do that we cannot miss in this Christian life. Link that we're going to see in Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 through 4 that it's going to show us is this. What it is going to show us is that we need to develop a new mindset that we need to develop a new mindset, a new way of thinking. Let me kind of illustrate it this way. You see, I married my lovely wife, Bindu, on January 17th of 2008. And on that day, I had a fundamental identity change in my life. You know what was my identity change? I became a husband. The moment that we said our vows and I put a ring on, I had this fundamental transformation of my identity, of who I am. You see, I had never been a husband before, and in that moment, I became a husband. And so, you know, we get married in Kerala, India. We go on our honeymoon to Goa. Uh, two weeks later, we come back to our home right here in New York. Where we are back in town. I am back in the flow of things, right? So I uh, come back from a day of work. I got a text message from one of my friends who wants to play basketball. He's like, Finn, you want to play basketball? I was like, yeah, sure, of course. So I go after work, and I go and play some basketball, um, and then I come home, and then my wife gently informs me that she would appreciate a simple call or a text message to let her know that I am going to be a couple of hours late. And so the breakdown in that moment was, wasn't that I failed to be a husband, it's that I failed to adopt a mindset of a husband, right? I had not gotten into this new way of thinking, right? For all those years, after high school, in my, when I come home, like, my evenings are my evenings. That, that's my time right there. And so I had a new identity. I didn't have a new behavior. And what I was missing was a new mindset. I was missing a new mindset. I had become a husband, but I had not started thinking like a husband. And so too, in Colossians chapter 3, this morning is going to show us today that when you trust in Jesus Christ, you get a new identity, that you are the child of God, that your eternity is secure, that you are saved in His grace. But if we want to see a tangible change in our life, we need to let the new, that new identity go and shape our new mindset. And by the way, like the, the battle of obedience and joy and um, contentment and peace in Jesus Christ, that starts, that starts in the brain. There is a battle in our brain. 
right? There is a battle there that, that our thoughts, that our way of thinking matters more than we ever knew. In fact, here's what's at stake for you and I today. What's at stake is that it is very possible for us to trust in Jesus Christ, but live our daily lives in every way, lacking the many benefits of knowing Jesus until we retrain our brain around our new identity. In other words, it is very possible to be a Christian for 30 years, for 40 years, and never get the victory over the besetting sins of adolescent lusts and um, chronic anxiety and the, the need to get approval from people around us. But what's available to us in our text today is this glimpse into a window of this new way of thinking to retrain our brain that leads to a life of victory over sin, a joy in Jesus, a life filled with hopeful anticipation of the glory when we see Jesus Christ face to face. And so this morning, the title of my sermon is A New Mindset, A New Mindset. And so what we're going to see in our text today, the Apostle Paul gives us one big idea, and then he gives us three areas of application. And so we're going to be basically looking at Paul's outline. This is Paul's outline right here today. And so I'm going to introduce just one key idea for us, and then we're going to look at three different areas where uh, we need to, to break this down. And so this is the main idea. This is the big idea. The big idea is retrain your brain. Retrain your brain. Can you do me a favor? Can you turn to the person sitting next to you and say, retrain your brain? So let's start in chapter 3, verse 1. This is what it reads. Chapter 3, verse 1, it says, If then you have been raised with Christ. Okay, I'm going to pause right there very quickly. Uh, the Apostle Paul is going to be reminding us of our who, of our new identity. Um, if you have been raised with Jesus Christ, uh, this right here is what theologians call union with Christ. Christ. It is this idea that Jesus Christ, he lived a, a righteous life who was obedient to his father in your place. He died the, the brutal death, the punishment for sin in your place. That Jesus, he rose victoriously over death in your place. And that when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that you are united with him as it were, though you were one in the same. In such a way that God the Father sees you and he doesn't see you as dead in your sins, guilty of your sins, but he sees you with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So what is true of Jesus in the Father's eye becomes true of you and I. And that's what he is saying right here. If you have been raised with Jesus Christ, you have a new identity. It says here next, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, 
not on the things that are on the earth. So he says the same thing, basically. He says almost identical here, right? Two times for emphasis. If you are united with Jesus, right, think about it. Seek it. Set your mind on these things. So here's this uh, little bridge here between the, the who and the do, between the identity and the behavior. He's, what he says is seek out who you are in Jesus Christ. And he, here's why this uh, pit stop here is just so important that Paul makes this to be just saying, just give us ears to hear. I was listening to uh, Pastor Tim Delena of Times Square Church, and he, he said this. He says, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. You see, the Bible has always taught this. In fact, what we find out is that science is now catching up to what we have already always have known because of the word of God. Now, now I am not a physician. I am not a scientist. Neither nor do I play one on TV. But I continue to read articles and books highlighting this new and better research understanding of this, of our, um, the, the neuroplasticity of our brains, that they are malleable, that they are changing, that they are constantly forming. This idea being that the repeated thoughts that we have, the images that we are continuously being exposed to, the experiences that we consistently have are actually rewiring the way that our minds work. It's like ruts being worn into the road. Areas of our brain are just turning on and off based on our thoughts. And that's what we're thinking about. Dr. Caroline Leaf, she is a cognitive neuroscientist and she's also a Christian. And this is what Dr. Leaf says. She writes, she says, breakthroughs in scientific research is confirming daily what we instinctively knew all along. What you are thinking every moment of every day becomes a physical reality in your brain and body, which affects your mental and physical health. This state of mind is a real, physical, electromagnetic, quantum, and chemical flow in the brain that switches groups of genes on and off in positive or negative directions based on your choices and subsequent actions. In other words, Edge City, the things that you are thinking about over and over and over will actually change the way that your brain functions and shapes it. And so Edge City Church, your thoughts matter more than you ever knew. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And that's what Jesus uh, taught us, right? He, Jesus teaches us this in the sermon 
on the mount. What did he say? He says, you have heard it said, you shall not commit adultery. What does he say next? But I say that even if you look at a woman lustfully, you already have committed adultery. Why? Because the battle begins in the brain. That's why in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, we ought to take every thought captive and make it obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the battle begins in the brain. That's why it says in Romans chapter 12, it says that we are to be transformed, how? By the renewing of our minds. Why? Because the battle begins in the brain. Your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. If you set your mind on lustful thoughts, you'll grow up to be a dirty old man. <laughs> that's, just what it, that's just what it's saying. If you set your mind in irrational worry, you will be an anxious wreck your life. But if you set your mind on Jesus Christ and his word and all of his benefits in your life, you will grow to be a godly, content, joy-filled person. What you set your mind on becomes your mindset. What you set your minds on becomes your mindset. The lens through which you see the world, your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. And so church, your inner dialogue matters more than you ever knew. The apostle Paul commands us here, he says, next, he says, if you have been raised with Christ, think about it, set your mind on these things. Now, let me point out in verse two here, the, the tense verb, uh, to set your mind on, the tense of that implies a, a progressive, ongoing, continual setting of the mind. In other words, we can't just set it once, right? Like you can't set it once and you're good for the rest of your life. It doesn't work like that. Like, I, I wish my brain worked like that. I wish, like, the moment I accepted Jesus Christ as my Lord and personal Savior, I became a Christian, and ever since that moment, I never sinned once in my life. Like, I wish my mind worked that way. Does anybody remember that old um, Ronco rotisserie uh, infomercial? Uh, basically, it's um, all you do is you put it in, you set it, and you forget it, right? I wish my mind worked like that. I set my mind on Jesus. I read my Bible on January 1, and I don't have to read it anymore. Like, I'm good. I'm perfect for the rest of the year because I am sanctified. Finn, who is thinking about Jesus all day, every day, every single minute of the day. Not being tempted by anything in this world. Not being tempted in my flesh. Set it and forget it. But the Apostle Paul doesn't say that, though. What does he say? When he says set it, he is saying be setting it. Be continually 
ongoing, setting your minds on the things that are above. In other words, set it, check it, reset it. Wake up in the morning, check it, reset it. We need to check it, recheck it, set it, don't forget it, keep checking it, set your minds on ongoing ways on the things that are above. It is this continual just and daily recalibration to set our minds. Why? Because our lives will move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, the risk of being over, you know, over being obvious here, like, let me just say, that's why it's important that we read our Bible, right? We wake up in the morning or throughout the day, how, how, you, how that works for you. Spend time in the presence of God because we're resetting our minds, besetting our minds to daily Bible reading, right? And let me, let me say this, when we do not win God's approval. When I say just we have to do read your Bible, pray, do all these things, let me just say that we don't have to win God's approval through our obedience and righteous living and our Bible reading, right? We don't need, we don't read our Bible to impress God, but God's already impressed with us. And we have to understand that he already, he is already impressed with us, not by our doing, but because of Christ's doing. Because of what Jesus Christ has done, God's impressed. So we don't come to the Bible to impress God, but we come to the Bible so that God can impress his word onto our brain. That we come to the word of God continually. And so number one, it is to retrain your brain. Develop patterns of hearing from God, however way that looks for you, and your life will move in the direction of your strongest thoughts. Now, in the next couple of verses here, Paul is going to give us areas in which we can retrain our brain. So here's the first one. The first one is this. You need to retrain your brain about your past. You need to retrain your brain about your past. Let's look at verse 3. It says this, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Okay, so for each of these subpoints here, I'm going to give a little bit of a summary um, statement. And so the first one here is under about your past um, is this. It is the old man is dead. The old man is dead. Now, what Paul is saying here, he's saying, for you have died. I mean, like, when we hear that, like, Paul, what are you talking about? I don't feel dead. Like, I am very much alive. What are you talking about? He, he, he is very much writing to living people that are here who can read his word and understand what he is saying. Paul is not saying that, you know what, you have physically died, but he is referring to what the Bible calls the old man, what the Bible calls the sinful flesh, the natural man. It is this idea being that before Jesus Christ regenerates our heart, that the Bible calls us slaves to sin. Before we receive Jesus, right, we are slaves to sin. In other words, we can't help but to disobey God. We have this issue not just with our behavior, which is our due, 
but with our identity, which is our who, that our hearts is bent not toward God, but it is to go away from God in sin and in rebellion. And so to sins of rebellion and sins of religion as well, that we are not inclined toward God, that we are dead, we cannot help it but to sin, right, before we are saved. And we do not have the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We do not have a new mindset in Jesus Christ. We are dead in our old ways. We are powerless to honor God and to fight sin and to worship God. Back in the previous chapter, in chapter 2, verse 20, Paul calls this the elemental spirits of the world. And he says, now that you are dead to them, they are dead to you. And that's what Paul is saying here. The old you, the you that could not fight sin before is dead. Secondarily, I think he's referring to the guilt and the shame here of our sins. Because in the previous chapter, in verse 14, he says this. He says, the record of all of your guilt has been nailed to the cross, canceling all record of debt. Now, when Paul says here, you are dead, he is saying, the old man who could not fight sin is dead. The old man who was guilty and full of shame, right, because of that sin, that person is dead. And so he's saying, think about these things. The old you is dead. And we need to retrain our brains in thinking of the old self. Now, I was hanging out with some, um, some young people a couple of weeks ago, and uh, one of the girls were just uh, comment, talking to the other individual, and the individual said something really snarky at this person, to which the girl looked at this individual and said, you are dead to me, right? You are dead to me in fun. And so I think we need to take the cue from this brilliant young lady, and, we, and when uh, the, the old, ugly self rears its head, you need to look back at that person and say, you are dead to me, right? When you feel powerless over sin, when you feel that there is no way to fight this temptation, when the, uh, when the enemy comes and rears its ugly head at you, you need to turn to that old self and say, you are dead to me, now, the tempta- it says here in the scripture, the temptation has seized you, but what is common to men and God is faithful, that he will not let you be tempted beyond what you will bear, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. All right? That's what the Bible says right there. Old self, you are dead to me. When Satan pokes his ugly head at you and accuses you, did you know that the Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren, the accuser of saints? That's what the Bible calls him. He's not only the father of lies, but he is going to bring accusations against you. And when you hear that voice, say to that voice, you are dead to me. Those accusations are no longer true. It's done. The record of my debt has been canceled. 
It has been nailed to the cross with Jesus Christ, and it is no more. It is dead to me. And so we need to retrain our brain about our past. I am no longer helpless to battle sin. I am no longer guilty because of my sin, and the old self is dead to me. Furthermore, we need to retrain our brain. Point number two, we need to retrain our brain about our present condition. We need to retrain our brain about our present condition. Let's look at the second part here in verse three. This is what it says. It says, for you have died. Well, then where am I now then if I'm dead? It says, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So here's the second, um, the second statement here. The, the new me is secure. The new me is secure. Retrain your brain about the present because the new me is secure. So the old me is dead. The new me is secure. When Paul says here that, that our lives are hidden with Christ, I think the, the, the idea that I learned here is that he is talking about security and protection, that our new identity is secure in God's keeping. Here's a cross-reference to that, that we see a similar idea. It's in Psalm chapter 27, verse 5. It says this. It says, For he will hide me in his shelter in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. And so the Bible, there's this idea of hiddenness, right? And it's not like, hid. Like, where did it go? Where did my life go? I don't know where my life is. It's hid from me. Hello, life. Where are you, life, right? Oh, it's hid with God in heaven somewhere. I can't find it. That's not what it's talking about. That's not hiddenness. The hiddenness means it is a protection. It is this safe and being secure. It is hidden from our enemies, right? It is safe in God's possession. So the new me is secure. And so what Paul is getting at here is, and here's why it is so important for us to think about it, this is that in our current reality, you and I, we are in the in-between time. We're in the in-between time. When you trusted Jesus Christ, you were born again. You received a new identity. You went from spiritual death to spiritual life. And those of us that are Christians, that, that, that was a day that was in our past. There is a day that someday in the near future, all of us are going to be receive the full benefits. And that is actually going to be um, actualized when you see God in glory. You won't battle with sin anymore. You'll be perfect in, in, a, in, in, in God's sight and you will enjoy his glory And right now, you and I, we are in the in-between. Already born again, not yet glorified with Christ Jesus, but we are in the in-between. And there will be this spiritual battle. There will be this ebb and flow for all of us. So let me kind of just share this from my experience here. You know, um, I've been a Christian for most of my life, right? I am 40, I've been on this planet for 44 years, and I will say that my external sanctification has not always been toward the up and to the right process, right? 
it's not always been like that. I mean, there's been moments in my life where I just feel like I am going backwards. Where I used to hear victory over anxiety and all of a sudden I just feel like a nervous wreck. When certain things in this world used to entice me and all of a sudden I'm, is, those thoughts are coming back and I thought that I was gone. Where, where guilt and the love of money and insecurity around possessions that I used to feel so free from will creep back in as you have kids and, and, you, and they get older and you have to let those things go. There's other times in my life where I feel like, you know what, my sanctification is happening. It is moving fast forward. I am doing great. I love Jesus more and more. I am so good reading my Bible. I, am, I feel so selfless and loving toward the people that I feel has done me wrong. And my walk uh, with uh, Jesus uh, has these ebbs and flows, these highs and lows. And then I think, man, has God even changed me <laughs> like at all? I feel more carnal than ever before that I was saved, right? And other times I think like, man, God, yeah, he absolutely transformed me, man. And so there's this up and down. There's this hot and cold. There's this ebb and flow. I don't know if anybody else can relate to me on that. Probably not. Right? For those of us who are not perfect, we know that it can go up and down as the externalities of our obedience. Verse 3 here brings an amazing comfort to us. It brings comfort to us because it tells us that even though our, our external obedience might ebb and flow, it might go up and down, even though we may have good days and bad days, our status before God is never in jeopardy because our life is hidden in Jesus Christ, in God. Why? Because our identity, our new life, isn't a product of our obedience. It is a product of Christ's obedience. Our salvation isn't the reward for righteous living. Our salvation is the reward for Christ's righteous living, which was gifted to us. And so thank God that my external salvation isn't tied to me, that it is hidden with Christ in God, because even though I may ebb and flow, Jesus Christ never did. And so even in my good days and in my bad days, the days of victory over sin, the days that I'm struggling, the way that I need to retrain my brain is that I am not on trial anymore. The trial is over. The verdict was not guilty Finn, guilty Jesus. And that is this unlikely paradoxical exchange that takes place right there, right? So hard to explain that that Jesus, he paid the penalty for my sin, and, and the trial is over. I have been set free, and now I have the power to fight sin, 
to love God out of the thanksgiving, out of the good works that God has done in me. And so, by the way, as I say that as well, our eternal security is not an excuse to sin as well, right? Because the Bible addresses that in Romans 6, where it says this, so then, should we go on sinning so that grace may abound? You know, what does it say here? It says, by no means, for your old self is dead, right? So our eternal security is always a motivation for righteous living and for honoring God. The old me is dead, and the new me is secure in Jesus Christ. And here's the last one for today. The last one is this. We need to retrain our brain about our future. We need to retrain our brain about our future. Let's look at verse 4. It says this. When Jesus, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So here's the last phrase here that I'm going to say. It is, uh, the best me is coming. The best me is coming. Retrain your brain about the future because the best me is coming. The old me is dead. The new me is secure. And the best me is coming. Some of you guys are like, hey, um, I'm kind of allergic to what you're saying right now because that just sounds like a man-centered theology that you're, you're talking up there. Like, have your best life now, right? Uh, no, I'm not doing that. I'm just trying to be uh, faithful to the text here. But um, what it's saying is that there is a future reality that we need to think about, that when Jesus Christ comes back, it is going, he's going to come back in glory. And because of our union with Christ, we get to share in that glory. If we, were, if we shared in his death, if we were buried in Christ with him, shared in his resurrection, because verse 1, it says, if you have been raised with Christ, so too, when he comes in his glory, we get to share in his glory. So all of the glory comes from glorious King Jesus. But that grace that we have been invited into that, and there's this mysterious way that we get to share in the glory with Jesus Christ that is gifted to you and I so graciously. And I want to kind of bring this to mind here. There's, there is a real date on the calendar right now when Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to appear in glory. And all the dead, all the righteous and the unrighteous will be raised with him. And all those who have not trusted in Jesus will be sent to an eternal judgment. And those who have trusted in Jesus, who are in Jesus, will be raised in him to eternal life. That we will live in resurrected bodies. That we will be in the presence of Jesus. That we will share in his glory. That we will live in a renewed earth that the scars and the sin and the death will be gone, 
that there will be no more temptations, no more selfishness, no more sin, that there will be no more broken relationships, no more abuse or death. The devil and his demons will be cast away and we will be in a state that we were designed to live in, worshiping Jesus Christ eternally in the city of God together in community and in unity and in full enjoyment with Jesus Christ. Christ. And Paul is saying, think about these things. Think about it. Set your minds on the things that are above. Jesus is coming back and you and I will be with him and we will share in his glory. There's an old saying. I don't know if you heard this saying before. The saying goes like this. Those that are heavenly minded are of no earthly use, right? And it's kind of like a, um, this, this antiquated saying here. It's kind of a jab at Christians. If you heard that before, those that are heavenly minded are of no earthly use. And what the Apostle Paul is showing us here is precisely the opposite is true. Precisely the opposite is true. How are we to be any earthly use if we have no idea where we are headed to? Now, what if I asked you a question today? And the question that I asked you is this. And if I told you right now, I just said this. I just said, get ready. Get ready. And you would respond to me. You would say, get ready for what, Pastor Finn? What are you talking about? Get ready for a party. Uh, get ready for a snowstorm. Get ready for a test. What are you talking about? How could I get ready for something that unless I know what I am getting ready for, right? And here Paul is showing us our future end, that we might get ready. And he is saying that you will rise to be with Jesus and you will experience his glory. Set your mind on these things. I want you to think about these things. And for those, of, those that are new in the Christian faith, you might be thinking, well, you know, what are you talking about? You're talking about heaven? Well, what is heaven, right? Is it, is it harps and like adult angels in like baby diapers, like sitting on the clouds and they're singing to Jesus, right? Like, I, like for me, I'm not quite sure to explain that, but I mean, we do have a glimpse in the Bible. And the best that I could say today is this. Just imagine your best day on earth with the people that you love, doing the things that you enjoy, and your heart being so right with God. And now multiply that joy and fulfillment that you feel by 10,000. And that right there might help you to understand this incredible joy and satisfaction that we will experience when we are in the full presence of Jesus Christ. It will be a glorious future. And so what happens is when we set our minds on that secure future reality, what happens is it changes the way that we live today. Knowing that changes the way that we live today. And here's how. Because when you know that moment is ahead of you, 
your need and desire to build your own little kingdoms here on earth will fade away. When you know that your best days are ahead of you, it will destroy greed's grip on your heart. You don't need to hoard resources and the glory awaits you free of charge. You are free to give generously and to share and to invest your resources to the kingdom of God, which will live on eternally. When you know that your best days are ahead of you, it will free you up to serve the people around you because you have been gifted eternal life and the glory with Jesus. And now you can serve and care for the people around you in very tangible ways. When you know that your best days are ahead of you, secure in Christ Jesus, worry will no longer be your master. Worry is no longer the God that you serve, that your salvation is secure. Your future glory is guaranteed. And even on your worst day, it cannot rob you from the joy of God's peace offered to you. Think about your future, and it will change the way that you and I live today. As I invite the, wor the worship team to come forward, and I invite you to close your eyes with me and to bow your head. Let me say this as, as, I, as I end here. That Jesus didn't come, live and die, so that we could go to heaven someday, right? Which is all true. He did, and we will enjoy that as soon as we place our faith in him. That is, that is our future. But Jesus also came to transform the way that we live our life in the here and the now. And so the invitation today is to set our minds on the things above. And yet the, the heart of this, the sum of the Christian gospel isn't centered around us thinking about Jesus. It's about Jesus thinking about us. Jesus thinking about us. And the gospel says that precisely when we weren't thinking about God while you and I were yet sinners. When we weren't thinking about Jesus, that Jesus was thinking about us. And he saw us in our sin. He saw our mind tied to the things of this world. And Jesus moved toward us. And he pursued us. And he saved us by his grace. And that is the good news of the gospel. And so, Lord Jesus, this morning, God, we remember yet again the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Then when we were dead in our sins, not only not thinking about heavenly things, but unable to to do any of that, Lord, you move toward us in our sin, God. 
and you took our sin upon yourself and dealt with it on the cross so that we could receive a new who, be born again by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, would we respond, Lord, right now by thinking about these things? Lord, would it be, become the lens, Lord, that we see the world through? Help us today, God, to take these practical steps and to walk in the truth of you, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, and we praise you. It's in Jesus' mighty name I pray.